three, two, one. Hello, and welcome to the Cinephile New Wave. I'm Nick. And I'm Duran. Uh, and welcome to our very first episode. We are a podcast dedicated to uh, movies, movie news, movie, uh, just movie watching in general. Um, so, uh, this episode we'll be discussing uh, Carl Theodore Dreyer's uh, Ordette. Did I say that right? Yes. Uh, Dreyer? I think. Dreyer? Dreyer? Dreyer. Dreyer. I don't know. I'm not Danish. <laughs> My name's Carl Dreyer. Nice to meet you. I guess he's he's Danish, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, we're, uh, we're a podcast dedicated to movies. We were two film students who just uh, love movies, so we thought, let's spew our bile across the internet, because that's what everybody else does. Yep. And because we can't watch movies together since of quarantine, we, th- we thought this would be a good idea to continue watching stuff. Yeah. We'll be watching stuff mostly from our own watch list. Um, who knows where it'll go once once and if. I guess if is the bigger, uh, bigger thing here. If theaters return, if we'll do new movies. But for now, uh, we're focusing on our watch list, uh, which led us to Ordet. But first, I'm going to go into the news. Uh, the first, uh, bit of news on, I think, everybody's radar is that Zack Snyder's Justice League is actually happening. Uh, on HBO Max, uh, it has been confirmed that in sometime 2021, I believe it's November 2021 is when it has been dated, was when we will be getting the finished cut, uh, of Justice League. So what I'm most excited for is if they're gonna release the budget for this director's cut because that is going to be telling a lot of uh, how this cut is going to go since the rumors before were that a Snyder cut existed but all the CGI like wasn't done at all so I'm assuming it's going to be extremely expensive to do I all bu- that I think I think they said it was 30 million okay that is, might uh, not be a good sign. <laughs> maybe, who knows. Um, but what they did say is that they aren't doing reshoots with the main cast. Hmm. Is the, that was one of, his, one of the caveats of him doing this, was that, you know, none of the, uh, none of the guys are coming back to, to film anything. So okay. I, think that, I, think, I think reshoots might still happen, but um, from what HBO has said, it will be out of Snyder's own pocket and not theirs. Okay. I didn't know that Snyder had money. <laughs> I mean, it's it's him and his wife who produce all of his movies, I think, so... Oh, actually, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Otherwise, no one would ever approve of any of his scripts. Yeah. But I haven't seen Justice League, and uh, I don't really want to. You've seen it, so what, what did you think? <laughs> it was... Uh... It was a superhero movie, that's for goddamn sure. Uh-oh. Um, it, it, yeah, no, it, it wasn't great. And you could certainly tell that there was a kind of conflict of interest, if you if you will, about, you know, whose vision is really on top here. And you know what? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not bitter about it. You know, I'm happy that he gets to, you know, do his fucking thing, even though I don't really care about his thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I, I can be happy about it, but the only thing that I despise are all the, the Snyder nerds saying, we told you, we told you it was happening, we only had to wait three years! Have, um, you, have you heard about the Ayer cut? No. Pe- people are now advocating for the Ayer cut of Suicide Squad. Jesus Christ. They're just like, we won this battle, time to go on to the next. All right. And I don't think anybody wants I will. I will sacrifice three or however many hours of my own free time to watch this fucking Snyder cut just so I can say that I have watched it. You poor fool. It's supposedly going to be four. Oh my God. But no amount of money, no amount of money will ever make me watch the air cut of suicide squad. I already watched the director's cut and theatrical cut. So I am. Wait, so there's more than one cut already. Yeah, there is. There is supposed. That's supposed to be the fucking director's cut, or, or I don't know. It's probably called the fucking chaos cut or something. The chaos cut, nice. We're fucking edgy hot topic people. Nice, nice. Uh, but anyway, um, you know, good, good for him. I don't know if I'll make it through the whole thing, but like, 
you know, it's going to be hard. Good, good on I, him for being able to do it. I would like to do a podcast episode on the Snyder Cut because I think that would be Absolutely. very entertaining. Although I don't think I'll be able to watch it sober. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, we'll probably be together by the time that happens. So doing yes. a drunk Snyder Cut session would be fantastic. Yes. But that is the future. This is the now. God this is the it. now. Um, and what else is in the now? What's the next? What else bit? is in the now? That this is the smoothest transition of yes. all time. Uh, John Seal is going to be returning from from retirement to uh, shoot the Furiosa spinoff of Mad Max Fury Road. I believe it's going to be a prequel. Charlize Theron said she's not going to be in it, which kind of makes sense because, from what I hear, it's supposed to be a younger Furiosa. So, mm-hmm. um, John I- Seal, if you were unaware he um he did fury road he did uh you know dead poet society rain man and the first harry potter uh from all that i've seen he's a good cinematographer and especially from fury road that whole movie is like centered and it's amazing (laughs) centered yeah um i i definitely respect what he did with that movie especially because a lot of it was um practical a lot of the stunts were i mean obviously there was cgi but um like you said making everything seen with that much chaos must take a good amount of talent yeah him and george miller were the only people in the in the nambian desert who knew what they were doing everybody <laughs> else hated that shoot from what i hear i wonder from all why of the inside sources of them doing interviews with other people uh, uh <laughs> anyway that's probably another reason why the sequel took so long, or, or this prequel is taking so long to make. Yeah, also because well, of the, uh, the legal disputes. Yeah, yeah, the fucking lawsuit that was just like, hey, what if you didn't get another Mad Max movie? And I'm like, but please? <laughs> please? It's, in my opinion, it's by far the best Mad Max movie. I mean, I haven't uh, seen the third one, but I don't really plan to. Yeah. I've seen, like, part of the third one, and I'm, like, a big Mad Max fan, so that should tell you about the third one. Mm. What do you what do you uh, think about the movie being a prequel and not having Charlie's their own and probably not having even like Max in it at all? You know what? I'm I'm fine with that cuz all four of the Mad Max movies are sort of weird retellings of the same story where it's just Max going to place A and he he's like I'm leaving place A and then he then he is roped into protect protecting uh that place but mm. well i mean fury road is a bit different but i don't know yeah they're, they're all it's just kind of a weird series in general like the first one's not really post-apocalyptic yeah i mean they didn't have the budget to really do that yeah he was paying people in beer i uh, believe George that Miller just... i'm pretty sure he like stole some cameras yeah <laughs> um, um yeah I'm definitely not opposed to it because I just I definitely just want more George Miller Max Mad Max films, especially after Fury Road. But I do think it's an interesting decision considering the fact that the series is called Mad Max and Max is not gonna be in this, probably. Um yeah, it's it's probably gonna be like Furiosa Thunderdome or something. Right. And besides like some of the um flashbacks in like the original uh Fury Road there really isn't any connections between most of the Mad Max films. And there's like a couple yeah. like cameos. I think that like the guy who played a Morton Joe in Fury Road played like one of the villains in Mad Max Two, right? He plays the villain. The uh, villain. No, he he played uh he played the original villain Toe Cutter in the first one. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, yeah. So, but there's there's not really like any like specific. Which connections reminds canonically me, fuck the schneider cut why aren't we getting fucking george miller's justice league bruh was that supposed to happen that was supposed to happen when uh 2006 or 7 but then the writer <laughs> strike occurred and then and then it all went downhill from there i feel like a justice league movie in 2006 would have not been good i think yeah a morton joe was going to be his actor was going to be i think martian manhunter interesting yeah which anyway sorry to get off topic uh it's all good but i I'm, i am optimistic if 
Miller is behind it. Because I think that, like, yeah, he's definitely kind of, like, tightened his craft. And his vision for Fury Road I thought was really good. Something, like, yeah. new for the action um, genre. So I'm excited yeah, I, about whatever he does. Yeah, I want to say he, like, stepped out midway shooting three. So that's why that movie isn't, like, mm. as balls to the wall as the rest of them. Gotcha. I, I don't really know much about the production of three since I, also I haven't yeah. seen it. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, in other news, uh, Fred Willard has passed. Uh, he was, um, he's a character actor. Mostly he was, um, the only live action character in a Pixar movie when he was in Wally -E as uh, president. Um, yeah, man, just kind of sucks. <clears throat> I don't think it, seen much that he's done but it seems like he's in he's been like in a few animated movies here and there oh yeah. i i've seen monster house and chicken little and the two <laughs> anchorman movies okay yeah got it best but in show I've heard seems like he lived a long about life best in show hmm. anyway yeah talking about people we don't know the filmography of mm -hmm. <laughs> excuse us but um it is sad it is sad uh, a tenant trailer has uh, released. Uh, another one. Another one. Boldly proclaiming that they will be in theaters, but um, you know. We'll see about that. Considering the situation right now, you what? know I hope it comes to theaters, but. Um, so wait, what's the tentative release date? I want to say it's July. Let me let me find that real quick. All right. Um. Tenant, as I'm sure you all are aware is i don't know christopher nolan's next movie it's uh it seems to be about weird backward time shenanigans which you know it might be cool but um it's a we'll, christopher we'll nolan movie see. which isn't a diss on him but like I yeah i think i think the most interesting thing about what's going on with tenant right now is that it seems like a lot of the theaters are trying to use it as an excuse to open um yeah. and it seems like at least july 17th by the way july 17th okay and it seems like from at least what i've heard if tenant gets pushed back since it's expecting to, it's expected to be like the big summer blockbuster movie if it gets yeah. pushed back then it seems like theaters will be closed for uh a while until it gets released which i am in favor of because i definitely think that opening theaters soon or even in yeah. july is like a terrible idea because yeah. um, a lot, a lot of places like in America, haven't even hit the peak yet, yeah. and I think that the CDC announced yesterday that we hit a hundred thousand dead in the United States due to the coronavirus. So yeah. I don't think it's a good idea for theaters to open now, especially because. I'm from, yeah, I'm from Florida where everything's opening back up and like our our numbers are spiking and nobody's really stopping anything and I'm like great. Exactly. Wonderful. I mean, if we open everything prematurely. Um, it's just going to lead to another spike in, in um, deaths and also in uh, uh, contagions. So, Which sucks, because I want to go back to the movies, but I also don't want the entire planet to die. Yes. Although I really like movies, I don't want to risk my life and other people's <laughs> to do that. Just yet. I don't know. It might get there. You absolute liberal coward. Yes. I'm a libtard. But also, I have too many movies that i own that i haven't watched and torrented that i haven't watched and have on streaming that i haven't watched so i'm i'm keeping busy that way you are it's true and i'm just sitting here doing doing shit and in my house anyway uh denis villeneuve uh recently uh said that it, it took him one year to perfect the sandworm designs for uh for dune which i am i'm excited to eventually see those because you know how are, different are there no like be? are there no like publicity photos yet no we haven't seen these damned worms yet hmm. uh i am personally very excited for dune um i just i i'm totally on edge whether whether it's going to live up to the hype or not i'm excited because um i have faith in a lot of people behind it i mean villeneuve has shown that he knows what he's doing when it comes to sci-fi and also yeah. in other he's, he's a really good genre filmmaker 
I personally wasn't blown away by Blade Runner 2049, but I think that he did a good um, send-off to um, an amazing uh, franchise. Like, a sequel 30 years later is never easy to do, and I think he did a decent job at it. Um, I really like the cast. I think the cast is solid, and I'm glad that something like Dune is getting adapted, even though I personally am not a huge fan of the book. I, I think that with the right people, though, this film could be decent. I got partially through the book. Uh, can't remember really where I stopped, but, um, you know, from what I saw, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I, I like the, the world it had created thus far, but... Um, yeah, yeah, I think, I think that... <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, the world that... Um, was created uh that herbert created would it's going to be difficult to translate onto film i mean like we, we already had one not so great dune adaptation but i think there there's Lynch. actually two there was a tv miniseries oh as right well. i completely forgot about that one <laughs> <laughs> um but herbert's prose is kind of notorious for not being very descriptive since a lot of the book is very much like in the consciousness of um the characters so this is, can be both a good and a bad thing because it can allow um those who adapt his works to really experiment with um the visuals of the objects and the environments and the costumes or whatever to really kind of like um impart like whatever visions that they want to but at the same time Definitely the amount of openness is also uh very difficult because a lot of people have a lot of different interpretations of what yeah i know i know some people yeah some people say they really dropped the ball on like the armor that they've shown off and all that right which is funny because like i don't remember exactly (laughs) but there isn't really any specific description of of any of these things at least not in the original book yeah from what from the point up to what i read you know it was like you know what sure i could see this is what they were wearing mm-hmm. yeah i um, don't i don't really have too yeah. much of an issue with directors experimenting especially with adapt um adaptations yeah. um i just think that it's going to be difficult for any director including um Villanova, to hit like a uh like a medium between his own vision and herbert's vision especially when Herbert's vision is isn't really concrete. Yeah, um, I just hope it's good, man. That's <laughs> above all. Yeah, I mean, I, I am I am still like pretty excited for a big budget. Uh, I like, kind of high, I kind of want, sci-fi film. I want Tenant to uh, get pushed back to uh, when Dune releases, and then they have their their little skirmish. I don't want that because I want there to be a sequel to Dune. <laughs> I know. Which is... Part of, it's, it's, it's conflicting because I'm like, it's never going to get a sequel that way. Yeah. But wouldn't it be fun to see these two? Yeah, I would be very disappointed if um, the sequel, since, since um, if, if you yeah, guys that... don't know, the, uh, the, the new Dune movie coming out is only the first half of the book, the first half of the original book. So the sequel to this film is going to be the second half of the original book. And I really would like to see at least these two movies so we can get the original book um, adapted. Yeah. But it's not confirmed that the second half or the second film has been uh, greenlit yet. I thought it did. I thought they did say really? that. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I Well, even, even if it has, it I mean, they can pretty, still pull it. Yeah, it just, it sounded pretty set in stone from like... Hmm. They were they were pretty confident in like the vision and like what was happening. I hear that there's supposed to be an HBO Max series that'll tie into it as well. I heard they about have... that too, yeah. And I think that Villeneuve was supposed to direct the first episode. Yeah, they have some some big plans for the universe, but you know, I'm gonna. I mean, see how all this shit goes down. It definitely could work because I mean, Dune is a there's little enough there. Yeah, I mean, Dune is a little like niche, but. If you have read a sci-fi like novel, you've probably read Dune. Yeah. So I mean, a lot of people are Just comparing. A bad thing. I mean, it is the like 
godfather of all that. Oh yeah, no, I'm just saying that like it is fairly it's not super popular, but it is fairly popular. Yeah. So a lot of people are comparing what's gonna happen to Dune, um, to what happened to Blade Runner twenty forty nine. The fact that mm. um I forget who the producer was, but they spent like hundred fifty million dollars and it it didn't like break even. Yeah. Um so a lot of people are saying that this might happen to Dune too, which is definitely like possible, but I think that Blade Runner is probably more niche yeah. than Dune. Although I don't this know is, if this, it's yeah. like I don't know if Dune is popular enough to kind of sustain a franchise. I'm it, it is a whole new thing for people though, so that may that may be on its side. What do you mean? You know. Um well for for most people like Dune is just this whole new thing that they're they're probably going to be you know, discovering and seeing for the first time, even though, you know, you, you talk to the right group of people, of course they know Dune, but, like, to a mass audience, I think it really helps that Dune is, like, they're, they're kind of being like, oh, it's it's like a more adult version of Star Wars. <laughs> hmm. Well, if they're able to market it well, I think that they will be able to do well. Yeah. But it's, it, it just, yeah, it's just shown that, like, big-budget sci-fi films like what we're getting with the new Dune, just have not been very successful recently unless it's like a superhero film yeah so we'll see i guess what happens yeah um (laughs) another another little tidbit before we uh wrap this up i think uh actually I'll, i'll throw in three more tidbits um first off uh timothy oliphant's gonna be in the mandalorian supposedly he's going to be playing some like sheriff to some town on Tatooine. I know you really didn't vibe with the Mandalorian. I really liked it, but um I I'm excited to see where that goes cuz apparently he's like wearing Boba Fett's armor, you know. So like what's that all about? I'm just surprised was, that yeah. um the Mandalorian character wasn't actually Boba Fett. Cuz I was yeah. pretty convinced that that was going to happen since personality-wise they're exactly the same, which yeah. is that they have no personality. <laughs> Well, we didn't learn shit about Boba Fett. That's true. <laughs> to begin with, so it was like... Yeah. Apparently, no, apparently in, like, the Clone Wars... Um, stop fucking saying apparently, but anyway. Uh, in the Clone Wars, uh, Boba and Jango Fett were like... No, they're not real Mandalorians, they're just kind of fakes. Hmm. Is, is, like, what they explained. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they, they stole the armor, I guess, is... Um, the deal oh all right so someone stole it back i guess um yeah so if he's if he's going to be wearing the armor and uh they they announced that timura morrison i think is his name he's gonna be returning as uh as boba fett maybe but also maybe as captain rex because he is the clones and all that because he's a fucking Attack of the Clones and Episode Two is a great movie. Um, yeah, but it's you know Star Wars is fucked up now. Now, <laughs> it's been fucked up for a while. What am uh-huh. I saying? Um, uh, the next little little bit before moving on, Kate uh, Blanchett is going to be playing Lilith in Eli Roth's Borderlands movie. So that's, um, that was a hell of a headline when I saw it. Yeah. Uh, I, why? Yeah, I mean, first of all, like, why is there a Borderlands movie? Yeah. Um, Why Eli Roth? Like, I don't think he's ever directed anything good. Well, it depends on who you ask, but I haven't seen anything by him. I don't really intend to. Some fucking people say Rob Zombie makes good movies, too, but that's, uh... (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't buy this whole thing. I'm pretty sure that it's gonna fall through, like every other video game movie that's ever been announced. Or it's going to get there, and it's just going to be a mediocre piece of shit, like all of them that do get released. Yeah, the only good Except video for... game, the only good video game movie that I've ever seen was the Ace Attorney adaptation by Takashi Miike. God damn it! <laughs> it was actually decent. I watched the entire thing on my phone when I was like 15. I loved it. And I'll be the defender of Doom, because that movie is fucking stupid, and I love it. Yeah, well, that's definitely a different type of good. Yeah. Um, but really, um, besides that, I really enjoyed the Mario movie when I was, like, 10, because I was an yeah. idiot, and Afraid it's to revisit so it now, because, uh... I really do want to rewatch it, because 
I remember it being amazing for like all the wrong reasons. So it just sounds like yeah. it'll be extremely entertaining while not sober. Yeah. Plus Bob Hoskins. Yeah. And John Leguizamo. And Dennis Hopper. That's true. Mm. Baby wants to fuck. But getting back to this Borderlands thing, I haven't really played the Borderlands games. I played like a little bit of them. But from what I know, Lilith is not 50 years old. Yeah, I, I didn't play three. I played the shit out of two, and I never played one. Mm. Um, but yeah, Lilith is not that old, and I just I don't know where he's going with this. Is is my main thing? Is like, I don't know what they're going to cover. Like, is it going to be two's handsome Jack story? Because that's probably two's probably the most popular Borderlands game. So it's like, I, I don't know, and it's plus. Uh, and there's just so much there's just so much about this there's like, there's why? definitely like some questions i have like for example one of the like the stable things about borderlands is the um the cell shaded graphics yeah. so is this gonna be just like a boring ass live action movie or is it gonna be kind of like is it gonna be that one richard linklater movie yeah a scanner darkly i think yeah yeah i i do want to see that i haven't seen that yet i do too um this is gonna be something like that it's gonna be like an animated movie we don't do we know anything about it I think it's going to be live action because he's like okay. Eli Roth was like I want to blow up psycho cosplayers you got a good psycho cosplay I'll okay. blow you up in my movie and That's... I'm like alright Eli alright all right. and all like right, buddy. usually for these kinds of video game movies they're usually of super popular video games or like video games that vaguely have a story Yeah, and I does God borderlands really have a story <laughs> like i i it's kind oh. of just like from what i've played you talk to very wow i'm so quirky npcs and then you shoot people and press e to pick up like bullets shoot some fucking robots and shit yeah, yeah i don't it's just like yeah it's it's a lot of like creature fighting so i don't really know how they're gonna distill this into like a story because strange I mean, there's there is the handsome jack thing and the whole like you know go find the fucking vault but like it just it, it kind of <sighs> reminds me of like trying to make a dark souls movie it would, it would just be like a bunch of people in armor like not saying anything and then fucking people rolling. getting stabbed and rolling <laughs> i mean dark souls has a story but it's not about the story yeah i don't know that was just that's just a very just strange like, headline they never choose video games where like the story is the important part right but the which, thing which, the, yeah um but the thing about that too is um i find that i think like they, they announced like a last of us movie right they announced a series oh okay yeah the thing about that is when you have these like story driven um games that get in movies or uh adapt or whatever i think that they're also doing one for uncharted it's like tom holland which oh, is God. like okay. that's, n that's never coming out oh, probably not but i think like the fucking virus hit like the day they started filming <laughs> yeah that's okay that's probably never coming out but but the reason <laughs> the reason why like these narratives work in the game is because like okay video games usually don't really have good stories like in general and the ones that are said to have good stories are like by any other medium standards not very great but the reason why they work is because it's in a video game. Yeah. So if you... I was not a fan of Last of Us story. Yeah, I wasn't either. Like, I think... But I think that if you just take out the story from The Last of Us and put it in a film, it just becomes a super generic zombie movie. Yeah. Because, it well, just, all, it already... It like... Yeah. If you see through the, like, the gameplay, which is, like, it's pretty good. I know you really like the gameplay, but, like, mm -hmm. you still do, right? Uh, oh, yeah, I love the gameplay. Just... Speaking for you. Yeah. Um, but I just, like, I saw past that, and I was like, I don't really care that your daughter died, bro. Yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a really big fan of the story either. But I think that the reason why the story is okay is because it has, you know, the gameplay around it. And then this kind of story hasn't really been told in a video game before. Yeah. Whereas this story has been told countless times in film. Like, a lot of people say that Last of Us is literally just children of men. 
which is yeah. kind of true. I mean, the problem I have with the story is that it felt really generic to begin with. So that if, we, if we're putting this already generic story into a medium that's already had this story told so many times, I just, I don't see, like, how this will be unique at all. I mean, I, I get that it's all well, about money. the showrunner of Chernobyl. How could it go wrong? Seriously? I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's going to be Craig Mazin. That's And I, I love weird. Chernobyl, but, like, still. Yeah, I mean, I get that, I mean, most of these things are just for the money. But yeah. also, I'm not going to watch something if it feels very phoned in, which is what it's remember, looking like. I remember there was one point when Sam Raimi was supposed to direct this as a movie. Uh, and I was like, I I get the zombie connection, but, like, why Sam Raimi? I actually would watch it if Sam Raimi directed it. I, if, it'd be, know, if it would just completely, like, off the walls, I, I would definitely, definitely watch would it. I definitely would, too, but, like why the fuck did they go to Sam Raimi with this, like, the the video game that's considered the fucking holy grail of stories? To... Some, sometimes I feel like execs kind of just, like, Google names of directors and then put Popular a genre. video game. Yeah, or, or, like, so they're like, okay, yeah. what's, a, what's, a, what's a horror director? So they just Google horror director, right? And, and then, like, like Sam Raimi video comes game. up. Yeah. Fuck it. Exactly. I know, like, John Romero... Uh, was supposed to do like a Resident Evil movie at one point. John Romero, what? Uh, that's oh no, George Romero. I'm oh okay, okay. Um, yeah, George Romero was supposed to. I think he was like involved with one of them somehow. I think he like mm. did a commercial for two or something. Well, but, good thing um, he didn't touch them because those are like modern cinematic masterpieces. Yes. Yes. I never played the remakes. Did you? No, of, uh, but I've movie. heard that they're good. I wanted to play the second remake, and then I think seven looks really cool, but I didn't get around. I, I played a little oh, bit of seven's four. Seven's wonderful. Yeah, I played a little bit of four, but I didn't really play much of the series besides that. Seven's the probably the closest we'll get to like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre video game. Okay, I'll, I I think I still want to check out seven, even though it's been a while. It's fucking cool vibes. Oh, Is there man. anything left on the news? Uh, yes, one last piece of business, uh, that being that Apple TV has uh, purchased the rights to stream uh, Killer of the Flowers Moon from, uh, from Paramount. That's going to be Martin Scorsese's next movie starring uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro. Is there um, any confirmation that um, this will be like a simultaneous theater release? With uh, no, they or... said it'll go to theaters first. Okay, okay, that's good. Because I'm definitely yeah. seeing this in the theater. Yeah. Um, thank you, Martin Scorsese, the savior of, of, of cinema. Savior of cinema, I, Scorsese. I, I've, I've no idea how he's able to make these, like, $200 million movies um, that it clearly... because he's Scorsese at this point. That's true, that's yeah. Why? Um, They're just like, Scorsese? Sure, whatever. I am... Write him a check. I am extremely happy that it's happening, though, because... I, I love all of his recent stuff. I think that, like, most of his recent films, besides, like, Hugo, have been, like, amazing. Um, I love The Irishman. And I'm really excited for this because the concept sounds very interesting. I, I've, I've heard a lot about the book. I've yet to read it. Um, and also the fact that De Niro is going to be in this, um, along with DiCaprio, I think that's a solid... Uh, those, are, those are two really solid leads. Definitely. Um, and also, right. I believe that this is going to be Scorsese's first, like, Western film, more or less. So I'm, I'm very uh, excited for that. Yeah, yeah, I get... I'm just, I'm like, I'm not sure about what it is. And I was like, I forgot that it was a Western until you just brought it up. It's it's like a, it's, it's like a pseudo-Western. It's not, like, actually a Western. It, it takes place in, like, the 50s, doesn't it? I think it's the 20s or the 30s. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anymore. All right. Um, I think that's like pretty much all I wanted to talk about in terms of news. So right. should we talk us, about or debts? Let us talk about sure. dryer drayers or debt. Yeah. So um, or debt came out in 1955. It's based off of a play. Um, I don't remember the name of the play, but it's by a um. Oh, yeah, Cash Monk's play, uh, who is a, um, a monk, actually. And the the film is very interesting, I feel like. I, I haven't seen the, the original play, but 
a lot of the theatricality i think comes through but uh like like for example um Drager is, yeah. is really known for um the way that he uses the camera and, and his his, his close-up um he basically made a movie exclusively out of close-ups which is the passion of joan of arc um but this one was very interesting because most of the shots are um like medium or, or long shots i don't think there's a single close-up in the entire film at least not there that I can are remember. three there are three uh and i think they're all of uh anger mm, okay well that makes sense considering the ending oh by the way we're gonna spoil the entire movie so go watch it if you haven't seen this movie from 1955 yeah <laughs> please please stop the podcast now <laughs> 60 year spoiler alert all right um yeah so uh i noticed that too uh like like i think during the during the the birth when um the father and the um i think it's the father and the priest are just like sitting out there i was like holy shit wait this hasn't cut hmm yeah um Actually, I, I looked this up, and the film only has 114 shots, which is kind of nuts considering the film is like about two hours long. So it's a, it's like it's basically a minute, uh, like one shot, one minute, which which is like insane. Um, since like the entire film is basically made out of um, long takes, and it really it actually took me a while to notice what he was doing with the camera. Oh, by the way, this, the cinematographer I don't remember his name, but. Apparently, this was one of his first films. He was only, like, 29 years old, which is nuts. What a fucking champ. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, no, he's, he, he's, he really did a great job with this one. I think... I think His name is Henning ben Benson. Hmm. I think... B-E-N-D-T-S-E-N. So. I, I, I see. I think, I think that um, the, the main part about this movie I really enjoyed was the cinematography, because... There was, there was, like, this ethereal aspect to it. it. It kept just, like, flowing so smoothly between all these different characters, which is insane for a film from, like, 1955. Dreher has always been kind of on top of um, his experimentation with the camera, um, which is ironic since a lot of times he gets um, uh, chastised for being too theatrical. But I think that this film kind of is, like, a happy medium between theatricality and uh cinematic quality since yeah. um yes most of the film is in medium or in long shot but the camera is constantly moving and there's constantly new focuses whereas in a theater um in a performance obviously uh you see the entire stage at once characters move around um in order to like change your focus but in this the camera itself is like the where, where the focus is changing yeah it was it was weird though because I, I um I it's like I picked that up and I almost felt like the camera was struggling to uh, I don't know I guess like focus on on one part like it didn't have enough room I felt I don't know oh really what do you I, mean yeah like like certain scenes I just felt like one person was cut off on like the right side while someone on the left was starting to come into frame. I don't know. I guess that's the point, but still. Hmm. That's strange, because I actually I actually felt that it was very, very precise. I, I didn't really feel like... I can't really think of a single instance where I felt the camera wasn't, like, centered on exactly what um, the the film wanted you to see. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was all right. I wasn't as into it as you are, considering what you left for your letterbox review. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um we'll give those at the end if anybody cares god no. uh, <laughs> um yeah i don't know i just like i i i don't want to sound mean but i found myself like struggling to care i just mm. didn't really care if they got together or if this wife survived because i just felt like i didn't know them that's really interesting because i actually felt the exact opposite usually i i don't really care for melodrama um I, I get very bored in um, most, like, melodramatic films. But I think that in this one, it was handled very well. Because I feel like a lot of the characters... You spend time with, like, a lot of the characters to really, like, understand what kind of people they are. Um, and I, But the most interesting part of the film to me was um, 
the depiction of faith and each character's individuals, uh, each individual character's um, understanding of faith, and, and showing what their what their faith was. Uh, because I think one of the genius things about Dreyer is that throughout all of his films, there isn't really a didactic expression of faith. Usually, the faith shown in his films is very subtle and very ambiguous. So, like, in Joan of Arc, for example, which is the other one that we've both seen, yeah, um, there isn't really an instance where you are convinced wholeheartedly that Joan is right um, and that God is protecting her, for example. There really isn't, like, uh, an, an epith- epithematic moment or anything like that. Um, whereas in Ordet, um, I think this is the first of Dreyer's films that I've seen where there is like a specific break from the realism at the very end. So like in, um, in Day yeah, of Ordet. Uh, that yeah. caught me a bit off guard. Mm. What do you think about that? Um, I don't, I, I still don't really know. I just like, that just felt like it came out of nowhere. It was just like, yeah. No, no, really. Resurrection. Hmm. I thought that it was very interesting since we also watched um, another film more or less about faith, uh, Bergman's The Seventh Seal. And in that film, at least in, in the essay that I wrote for one of our classes, I wrote that um, it seems like Bergman in that film is showing that those who live simplistically and those who have a very simple v1 faith are more likely to enter the kingdom of god than those who are in um like in a crisis of faith or in like turmoil and i feel like a similar sentiment is shown in this film so there there seems to be some kind of critique on modernity and modernity's um, modernity yeah modernity's like uh, mm, uh faith in modernity so this film technically takes place in 1925 so um which, which isn't too far off from when the film came out but um obviously in the 20th century there's been like this move more towards secularism and if, if this, this started like way earlier but um now we're, we're much much more secular than we were uh hundreds of years ago and it seems like the only person in this film that is satisfied with their own faith is the character of Johannes, who is the um, the the brother who is kind of uh, thought to be insane. And he thinks he's Jesus. Exactly, yeah. And so, his faith is very simplistic at first. Well, that's that's what we believe, which is ironic because he's actually um, someone who studies who studied the faith very very intensely. Yeah. Um, but the two characters that are the most satisfied with their faith are the most simplistic ones. So Johannes. And then the other one is uh, one of the daughters of Mikhail and Inger. Um, and and he's, she's the daughter that um, uh, Johannes told he would uh, resurrect Inger, basically. So what, what did you think about the depiction of faith in general and also the simplicity um, I found it, I found it pretty interesting. It was, I uh, just, I don't know, like, what, what my problem really was. I just, like, in, in connecting with the movie, I just, I had a hard time, like, I don't know, I don't know. It's, <laughs> I'm struggling to find words, can you tell? Uh, yeah. I, I, I did like how, you know, there were there were these three aspects, how it was like, no faith at all, one thinks he's Jesus, and the strict father who's like, follow religion, I'm not even gonna let you marry this girl unless you, she follows our religion, which, um, you know, that changes by the end, but still, uh, I, I did, I did like how it was like, you know, there are these three aspects, and putting into question these three aspects is 
no doubt probably the most important thing the film does um but i i personally didn't feel like that that crisis of faith was a justified like the ending that they gave if that makes sense what do you mean i just i feel like i i i feel like i knew it was going to happen i feel like i knew she was going to get up but i don't feel like the narrative served that because i felt like johannes just kind of comes in every few scenes and is just like it's gonna happen guys and then it happens and i'm like okay <laughs> that's interesting because i was actually i felt the exact opposite i wasn't expecting the resurrection at all because um so this is the fifth Dreyer film that I've seen. And um, as I mentioned before, pretty much all of his films have to do with faith in a certain way. Um, one of his silent films, Master of the House, didn't really have too many faith themes, but his other four that I've seen, so that's Passion of Joan of Arc, Vampire, Day of Wrath, and now Ordet, do have... I have only seen two, so let me put that out there. Okay. That they... may reflect my own opinion on it those four films like do have um aspects of faith in them except um all of them except for vampire which is like a horror film and therefore like it's like basically like a supernatural horror film so those other three so joan of arc uh day of wrath and most of or dead the faith in those films is portrayed like almost entirely realistic so there is very little spiritualism or supernatural aspects to those three films except for the very ending of our debt which is actually why the ending of our debt moved me so much since um it was the first time i really saw Dreyer um embrace fully and unambiguously uh the the miracles of spirituality and i think in this film it was really powerful because well to me at least because it, it showed that um, despite us having science, I mean, there is there is a uh, a doctor character in this film, which I think he, he represents like the rational side of human beings. Despite all of that, there is still so much that we don't understand um, in nature and just in general. And I think yeah. I found that very powerful because as someone who like cannot be a materialist, I think this film is really like reassuring to me. Yeah, I don't know. I just um the way I looked at it, I was I was just kind of like everybody doubted him, and I think that's that's why I was like convinced that this resurrection was going to happen because I don't think they everybody would have called him like crazy, Johannes crazy if um if he if it was just going to not happen by the end. Well, I feel like uh, if you have a brother that's saying he is the, the coming of Christ, I feel like you would call him crazy. But that I just... know, but it, it isn't played off as like a joke in the movie, so it's like. Well, I think I think the reason for that is because they're they're upset that um, their brother's kind of they think that their brother's gone insane. Yeah. Um, and in fact, actually, um, at the end of the movie, he is a different person. So throughout the entire film he is actually insane until the very end when he comes back he actually is now sane at the end it's just yeah. that he is now more attuned with his faith which is i guess why this resurrection happens yeah i don't know it was it was just like it's a very strange experience i just i i left it not really knowing what to think about it hmm i think i think i liked that aspect of the movie because it really caused me to look internally and, and kind of see like why i was so moved from the film and so that's kind of how i got my interpretation of um there are certain things that we cannot understand despite science and actually dreyer i think in response to this film said that he doesn't intend to replace science with spiritualism or, or with Definitely. spirituality or vice versa which is really really smart because actually yeah. a very common misconception people see about dreyer is that he's like this kind of 
super like conservative uh well he is super conservative but mm-hmm. he's like this 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 like really like bible thumping guy you know but he's not really it doesn't seem to be like that both in his personal faith what he said and also in his films because his films as i said before are are very ambiguous in their presentation of spirituality which is very smart because 20th century spirituality has to be ambiguous um throughout the film uh, even the, the 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 pastor character says that miracles don't happen anymore because we're getting to this time where um logic science reason whatever are kind of um not allowing miracles to be miracles since they're able to be explained yeah so that's i think i think that's why the film has such an impact on me personally and i, I really appreciated just the filmic aspects of the movie I, as i said before i think the cinematography is really unparalleled there, there's really few movies i've seen that are shot this beautifully um i love the contrast I'll too i definitely give it that yeah i definitely love the color contrast too i think that um there really seems to be like these really like dark blacks or like bright whites there and there there aren't so many grays throughout the film um i can't really explain why i like that but i thought that was a really interesting decision yeah um uh and and to clear this up i mean i didn't hate it by any means um I just, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say about this. I'm, I'm at a loss. Um, so, you want to add anything? Um, I'm really excited to, so the reason I watched this is because I got a, um, a box set from the BFI, which includes four of Dreyer's films, and so I've seen the first three, uh, Master of the House, um, day of wrath and or now or dead um so I'm, I'm just really excited to see his last film which is gertrude um i don't really know much about it but the more i've seen it from dreyer the more i really respect him as a filmmaker because i really think that what he does with spirituality and his depiction of faith is extremely unique um yeah. and i it, do appreciate how he just kind of goes for it yeah uh, like like most filmmakers would not would not go for it in the way that he does and i think you know maybe that's what kind of throws me off about the movie is that so blatantly this miracle happened hmm i think i think that um what was i gonna say oh yeah the thing about the thing i expect about jerry most as as i said before is his depiction of faith and i think that he really does something unique in this very anti-spiritual medium so there's been a lot of writings about how film in a lot of ways is inherently like does not allow for the spiritual to happen or even like the subjective to really happen which is kind of true because um it is essentially capturing reality through a filter but we are capturing reality through movement whenever we shoot something yeah um and i think that dreyer is really able to use this medium which is so like anti-spiritual to show the spiritual and i think that's really amazing and i think that um his the, the way that he's able to like cross this really 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 thin line I, I respect that a lot definitely i i didn't know that he was very conservative but i mean i guess that makes a whole lot of sense yeah um yeah um so you know it's it, it is a good movie i do recommend to watch uh i know you're wholeheartedly recommending this because oh yeah it's really really um, it's really interesting especially if you have any like interest in faith or if you have any interest on faith depicted on screen i highly recommend this this is like yeah. one of the essential um spiritual films i'd say i think the i think i read somewhere that like the vatican put it in it's like most important movies the vatican knows what's up their film yeah. lists are always like insanely good like they have like it andre is... rubliov on it like eight and a half yeah selected by the vatican in the religion category of its list of 45 great films yeah like those that list is really good um i highly recommend people check that out if you have any interest in faith films yeah um 
feel like I had a point to make about this movie, but I can't fucking remember it now. Um, so, instead, we'll, uh, I think, if you are, if you're ready, uh, we'll just move on to our last segment, which is, um, what we're reading or watching or doing, you know, uh, if you would like to. That sounds good. All right. Um, Do you want to go first? What have you been uh, reading, watching, playing, listening to? <laughs> um, you know me. I'm always uh, working at Animal Crossing, but um, I've kind of dropped that nowadays. So I'm, I'm just kind of... I haven't been doing much, mostly because of... Uh, I, I drove to Massachusetts from Florida. Nice. So a lot of my time has been, like, you know, doing almost nothing. Hmm. Just because car rides are boring and tedious and you shouldn't watch movies on your phone. Never. Um, You'll get arrested. I have been watching uh, The Wire a little bit. You just finished The Wire. but um, So good. I'm I'm still on season one. Where are you uh, at in season I, one? I really like it. I'm, I'm on like episode six or seven at this point. But All I'm right. watching it with my parents, so I'm kind of going at a slower rate. Hmm. Um check my letterbox what have i watched recently i don't even know how long have i been here i'm dying i'm dying Daron. <laughs> um oh, i watched ex machina recently what do you think about that i really liked it um you know uh i didn't really expect the ending i'm glad i kind of saved myself from that because everybody wants to put it on their like top 10 most shocking endings list and i always like have to click out of a video and now i don't have to <laughs> anymore which is great nice um i watched capone when that came out oh yeah uh, i still have to watch that it looks terrible but i still desperately want to watch it because i love tom hardy yeah i mean it's it's definitely was worth it to you know see tom hardy do his tom hardy thing he's really good in the role but like the rest of the movie is just kind of like wonky and and i don't know i i still i think liked it overall i'd say though okay um, so you'd recommend it I would. I would. I'll, I'll have to check it out then. Um, I watched Sonic. I watched the Sonic movie. Why? <laughs> uh, you know, I was with my friends. We were having a good time. All right. That, and that's a good excuse. The Sonic movie came on. Okay. What did you think about uh, the Sonic movie? It's a movie made for children and nothing more. It is a. Mm. I I give it a seven out of ten because Jim Carrey. Uh, jim carrey is really good as robotnik that's the reason why i'm actually considering watching it you should you should but then it's, i heard it's honestly one of his best performances okay but then i heard that sonic flosses twice in that movie he does okay it's so I'm, I'm never gonna watch it <laughs> it's fucking stupid um and the last thing i have watched recently is uh candy man oh yeah, the nice. original what do you think i haven't watched um, that yet i really liked it you know it, it's um it's a very different take on horror uh it's kind of has to do with like gentrification and like racial stuff which is like an interesting twist to put into a horror movie hmm. um and for what i'm reading uh, i'm going to begin reading uh american psycho pretty soon which i'm excited about rereading cool. i should say so what are you up to um i just started reading uh notes from the underground i was a really big fan of crime and punishment by the same author dostoevsky but i haven't really gotten into notes from the underground yet i'm really interested in it because i'm really interested in existentialism but i don't know i just the prose in the book is very strange since it's, it's all written um in first person with this guy who's like not all there so it's very awkward um, what's it about i have no idea <laughs> so <laughs> right. it's it's kind i think it it's as i said before it's like one of like the first major works um on existentialism so it's really just about this guy who's like in not such a great place mentally that's at least what the vibe i'm getting so far um so i'm not really sure where it's gonna go I, i've only like barely started it but i'm, I'm interested to see what's gonna happen um for the games i've been playing i finished dark souls 2 recently uh which is a d terrible game and you should never play it it's just 
it, it just takes everything good about the series and turns it on his head. It sucks. Um, I started it's a harder s- game, therefore it's better, dude. It's not even harder, it's just cheaper. <laughs> um, therefore it's harder. You're right. Then I started playing Sekiro, which I'm really excited for. I've been meaning to play that for a bit. Yeah, it's hard as shit. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> you would expect that. Yeah. And um, yeah, I recently finished The Wire, as you said. Um, definitely. How was it overall? Definitely a top three show for me. Damn. Like okay. Wire, Sopranos, Twin Peaks are probably my favorites right now. Um, I think I think that one of the interesting things about the show is that it really keeps its quality throughout the entire run. There's a slight dip in the last season since I think one of the head writers actually left um, after season four. I don't know why. But it's still pretty solid overall. I think that they did a really good job wrapping everything up because this is not really a show that can have a conclusion since the entire point of the show is how um, everyone gets screwed over by the institutions, be it the police force or like City Hall or the drug system um and there's kind of like the cyclical nature to the show yeah so there can't really be like a definitive even even i can tell it's it's a sort of like everything's working against one another right and nothing ever rarely works yeah nothing really ever changes i think that is the main thing if you try to like stray too far from the system whichever system you're part of then you get screwed um i think the show does an amazing job of depicting that so i think i think i'm satisfied by the ending because it's really difficult to end something that's very, like, I don't know, for lack of a better word, like, theoretical. Yeah. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And for other movies I've been watching recently, um, as I said before, I've been kind of going through um, Carl Theodore Dreyer's filmography. So I also recently watched um, Day of Wrath by him, which is really good. It's basically about um, these, like, this woman who's like accused of being a witch during um i think like the 1600s and the politics of the time and the depiction of faith during the time so that was really cool um i also really recently watched um shame by ingmar berkman it's a uh it's a war film kind of it stars uh, max von Sydow and Liv Ullmann. Hmm. it's really interesting uh the way that it's shot Sven Nyquist is, is like a is a master of cinematography he was he was Bergman's cinematographer basically throughout his entire career um I think it's really really what a, well done what a good man yeah but I don't know I feel like as Bergman after like Persona as Bergman gets like really really good with like the technical aspects of filmmaking I feel like his writing is kind of faltering a little bit because um he released a film Fanny and alexander i haven't yet so i yeah. heard like that is like one of his best works along with autumn sonata so i'm like well, kind i of... mean i guess i guess he had to make it his best work if it was gonna be his last um he actually made some stuff afterwards oh did he yeah i thought that was uh, i thought that was always touted as like the last thing he did it's probably like the last major thing he did because he also mm-hmm. released a sequel to um although i'm not sure this really counts cause i think it was technically the a seven TV seal movie. it's called the eighth seal yes Oh shit, we get in a phone call. <laughs> but I think that there is a um there's a sequel to uh what's it called? Scenes from Marriage called Saraband. But I think it's a um like a That's TV movie. Weird. Yeah. But I, I don't know, I feel like I've also seen Cries and Whispers by him. So that was I think seventy two, and I think that that movie is just amazing visually. And it's a, it's one of his I think it's his second color film. And he's really able to use the color red in just just amazing ways. I, I love I love what he does with that film visually. Definitely. But I don't I don't know. I can't really say if the I, I feel like his writing has kind of gone down on that film also. But I have to check out the rest of his filmography to really like make a proper judgment. How far how far are you through it? Did you just kinda are you jumping around now at this point or are you trying to more or Still less go chronologically yeah i mean like i started with seventh seal and then i kind of went forward so and then i kind of went back before that <laughs> and then i went forward again because i mean this man has like 60 films yeah so i'm not gonna really watch all of them chronologically that'd be insane i think so i've, I've watched like i think like 
15 to 20 as of right now hmm. um but what do you what do you think of uh your your rewatch of seven seal i know you bumped it up on the uh on letterbox but uh i i enjoyed it more my second time because i had no idea what was going on the first time i watched it i mean i still don't don't understand it at all but i think that i'm more getting what he was going for i just i thought i thought that his um the part that really moved me the most was every scene with antonius block because i felt like i could really relate with him um that's someone who's like desperately needs faith but also has done i don't know i just thought that that was really probably why i had little to say about our debt true i am a uh i am i am a man of i i don't want to say no faith but it lacking would be the word i just i can't i don't know i guess i can't really live knowing that everything is material so that's why i kind of um i'm attracted to these movies about faith since i feel like there's there's a lot more about the world than science itself can really explain you good you're valid thanks i uh, i I appreciate you thank you and i appreciate you too (laughs) and with that i think we're gonna have to end this yeah all right uh see you later everybody all right and that was the first recording of the cinephile new wave please join us whenever we upload our next podcast in a thousand years in a thousand years goodbye (laughs) goodbye